Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Budget with State Representative Jason Ortitai of the 46th Legislative District in Allegheny and Washington Counties. I'm Chuck Nichols, Representative Ortitai. Welcome to another report on all of the stuff that is going on around the state budget. Now, this week was really unique because the State House passed a what we're calling a temporary budget, but we passed it much earlier than what we would normally would pass a budget in the fiscal year. And it all has to do with what's going on with COVID-19. So can you kind of give us a uh, an overview and, and, and tell us what we achieved this week? Yeah, I mean, this week the House passed a budget. I think we passed 100 and with 103 votes, and you need 102 to pass it. Uh, the, the, the thought behind it was we really don't know what to expect for the rest of the year as far as revenue collections, which is what the, the state takes in and, and, and money and taxes and fees. And usually we have that by the end of June. But being that we move the state tax deadline from its normal time in April to July, we don't know how far off we're going to be in our revenue estimates for this current year, let alone for the next budget year, which we have to get done by the end of June. So when you take all of that into consideration, one of the things that we needed to do was to try to figure out how much money we were going to have to spend for next year's budget. And we know that we're going to be coming up at least a little bit short with all this shutdown. Right. And right now, conservative estimates for this year have us down about $3 billion. So this current budget that we've already passed last year that we're in now, we're already off by $3 billion. So we've got to carry that into next year. And trying to forecast a revenue number is pretty much impossible at this point because there's just so many unknowns. We've had people out of work for the last couple of months, businesses shut down for the last couple of months, even the casinos with property tax revenue, all that stuff has been down and we just don't know what kind of impact that's going to have. So in order to to put forth some level of stability for the state during this time, we thought it would be good to pass an early budget. Look, look in, this, in the six years that I've been here, and this is my sixth budget, we have never even been close to passing a budget this time of year. And, and I, I don't want to downplay what we're going through right now because we should be doing this on an annual basis, but we're not. But with the virus and still large portions of the state still shut down, we needed to give some stability for our state budget. And passing a five-month budget, which almost equates to about a 75% budget of what last year was, it was the right thing to do so that we come back in the fall, we have a much better idea of what revenue looks like from the big picture point of view, and then we can try to fill in the gaps. And we're all hoping for this... Uh uh, as they're saying, V-shaped recovery, this this uh, super arc coming back. But we can't count on that, and that's probably why it's a good idea to hedge our bets here, spend only what we have to spend, and, and then look down the road at what we can do uh, with what we have. Now, what what was included in this five-month plan? It, it, it includes five months of spending, but it includes a year of spending for a couple of programs that are really important Talk to us about what's in here. Right. Now, this budget spends a little under $26 billion to 25 point, we'll just call it $25.8 billion. Last year's budget was about $34 billion. Personally, I think it spends more than I am comfortable with. I would rather have a little bit more flexibility going into the fall, knowing that revenues might be short. Um, This helps a little bit with that. But at the end of the day, you can't let perfect be the enemy of what we're trying to do here. So I, in the end, I ended up voting for this. I do have concerns about it, so I'm just throwing that out there for everyone. I'm not 100% satisfied with this, but in life, you're not really 100% satisfied with a lot of things. So you've got to take some sacrifice and know that you're going to have to compromise because you got to get the governor to sign it and you've got to get the Senate to go along with it. So that's part of the equation here. So 
if everyone put together their own budget, we'd have 253 separate budgets, and I don't think anybody would agree with the other with another person. So that's how we got to where we are. Now, with what we decided to fund for the entire year versus five months, uh, we decided to fund fully fund education. So all the education line items, basically for basic ed, ready to learn block grants, pre-K counts, Head Start, career and technical, the community colleges, the PASHI system, the non-preferreds, which are your Pitt, Penn State, Lincoln's, in your temple universities we also added funding to a couple things one bus transportation for for our public schools we were getting woefully behind on that uh, we added i believe an extra i want to say an extra 150 million dollars to that line item uh, to help because we had schools that were taking money were borrowing money from their next year's allocation to pay for the previous years so we recognized that needed to be done and, and dealt with um, and then on top of that, yeah, like I said, I already mentioned the community colleges. And then we also paid the full year's worth of the PEASERS, which is the Teachers Retirement Fund, our obligation, which we have done every year since I've been in office. That's very important to note because we have an unfunded liability, over $70 billion there. So we want to make sure that we're funding that so that not only members who are retired now continue to get paid, that the teachers who are paying into it now can get paid when they retire. So that was an important aspect of it. A couple other things I'll note real quick. The Farmer's Market Coupon Program, which I know is really big with the senior citizens, that was fully funded for the year. The State Food Purchases Program was fully funded for the year. Uh, we also added some money in there for uh, school food as well. So basically anything dealing with food um, was added into this budget uh, to make sure that there's adequate resources in there for people to, who, who need to find food, who need to eat. Uh, which is everybody out there, uh, that those resources are provided by the government. So we wanted to hit our core core functions of government. Uh, we did fund the human services line items. Uh, the federal government did give us a pretty large, uh, I, I, I hesitate to call it a subsidy, but they did give us about a billion dollars to help with, uh, with Medicaid. And that goes all the way back to January. So we're able to take care of some of the cost overruns that we've had uh, with about the billion dollars that came from that. Now, a lot of people out there are probably wondering, hey, Pennsylvania just got $5 billion from the CARES Act from the federal government. Why don't you use that to plug the hole in your budget? Well, you can't. Uh, the U.S. Treasury has told us, the federal government was very clear about this, that money is only for coronavirus-related expenditures. It cannot be used to backfill the budget. I believe about a billion dollars of that went to the five counties, uh, which bit your largest population, th those went directly there. The other $4 billion is still being worked out with the House and Senate and the governor on how that's going to be spent. I had a couple ideas that I put out there for our fire and EMS services because they had a lot of lost fundraising opportunities. Um, uh, so we're looking to add those in, and we're looking, from my point of view, to throw in a, I'll call it a hazard pay incentive fund for frontline workers to apply for, kind of like what the federal government was doing with the stimulus money. Now, that one is a $500 million fund. The fire and EMS one is a $250 million fund. We passed legislation last week to help out with the assisted living and senior care facilities. Uh, but there's a lot of money that still needs to be allocated. I think there's probably still another 3 to $3.5 billion that we were going to be working out over the next couple of weeks. And that brings us to why we're doing what we're doing and, and what we're going to learn over the next five or six months now. It, it assuming that this passes the Senate and is and is approved by the governor, then we'll be back here in October or November looking to finalize the the spending for the rest of the year. Hopefully, by that time, we have some idea uh, of where we're we're sitting. What are we going to learn between now and then? I mean, obviously, our our taxes will come in. We'll have some idea there. Um, 
where do you what do you anticipate that we're going to get out of uh, the data that we get between now and then and how does that shape what we're going to look to move moving forward as you said we may have already spent more money than you feel comfortable uh, just right here how do we move forward with the rest of the year it's all about getting data right now and for us to make responsible financial decisions we need to have good data uh, by waiting until after the tax deadline in July that provides us an idea of how much short we were on last year's budget and then that allows us to better forecast what we're going to look forward to for the next I guess it would be what 10 or 12 or 11 or 12 months at, at that point uh, which is we need that data uh, we need to see how hard we were hit during that time and then we'll also have a little more data on the virus itself um, there's a, a lot of uh, there's a lot of people out there saying we're gonna have a second wave in the fall and if that's the case do how do we build our revenue into if there's another shutdown and to be conservative about that as well because you don't want to throw numbers out there that are wildly off uh, and then just try to fill in the budget because what you what will end up happening is let's say we spend all this money and we we don't take a very conservative approach to what revenue might be or how our short how how short we will be come next year's budget when we're here in next june we could have a budget deficit of 10 billion dollars and i don't know how you fill that gap i mean i'm i'm not voting for any tax increases i'm not voting for any tax increases in the fall and i'm not going to vote for any tax increases next year to fill a gap where we could have just been a little bit smarter with our revenue estimates and made some cuts around the edges and, and we have to remember that any kind of gap really is almost double that a, a three billion dollar gap this year if we just level fund things next year means a six billion dollar hole that needs to be filled right and i i want to be very realistic with everyone out there we're looking at probably a three billion dollar hole moving into the moving into the fall there is no way, and I know a lot of people out there think that we can just cut $3 billion right off the bat. In order to do that, there need to be policy changes. And those policy changes need to happen right now if they have any chance of having any budget savings for when we come back in the fall. And if they don't happen within the next month, guess what? Cutting $3 billion out of a budget is just not realistic. I mean, I don't know where you get the money from, and I've been struggling with this. That's why I had some hangups with, with how much money we spent right now. I would have preferred to pull off a little bit more. We funded all, almost every single line item except the ones that I already mentioned at 42% of what there was last year. I would have been a little bit more comfortable at a 30% number or even a little, maybe at 25% just to have that flexibility. Because when we come back, to your point, when we come back in October and November to finish out this budget, if there's no money there, I mean, we're going to go back to some of these line items and some of these departments and say, sorry. I mean, and look, you know, there's only so much money to go around. And I do not think it is appropriate to ask our people and our residents and our constituents of Pennsylvania to pay more in taxes, especially when most of them have been put out of work for the last couple of months. They've been having a hard time collecting unemployment. So let's go back and ask them for more money. That seems like a real good thing to do. It does not. It is a terrible idea. And I really hope, I mean, I, and this is not a strategy. Hoping is not a strategy out there for everyone listening. That we that revenue comes in stronger, we have a V-shaped recovery, and we can get back to normal as possible, uh, and this virus hopefully goes away, or we get a vaccine or some sort of treatment between now and then. And let's let's look at look at something that isn't hope. Obviously, you are aware of this. It uh, this is probably something that is uh, on the minds of nearly everybody on our appropriations committee, both here in the House and in the Senate. Is there an appetite? in those committees as as you see it to to tackle this and and really go at it in the next month or is it a, a wait and see approach i think it's a little bit of both 
I, I think at the end of the day, it's our job to be prepared for any kind of scenario that comes up, and we should have a contingency plan, and we should have multiple contingency plans as we move through the summer and get additional data. The problem basically and lies in until we get that data it's hard to forecast what different scenarios we're going to be looking at but it's our job to figure that out and shame on us if we don't figure it out by the summer because that's our job that's what we're tasked with every single year when we put a budget together and we need to have a plan i am not comfortable waiting till october or november waiting for information to come flowing to everyone because again Cutting three bill, you're basically cutting ten to twenty percent out of your budget. There's going to be pain across the board. And as I've been telling people in my weekly updates, look, everyone's going to feel it across the board. Every single line item in this budget is going to see some sort of reduction at some point in time. Look, I, I'm not trying to give anybody unrealistic expectations. I'm trying to level set expectations so everybody is prepared for what we have to deal with in the fall. There's a chance revenues could be off even more. We just don't know right now. Uh, but I would rather be in a position to have some extra flexibility than to be forced in decisions I don't want to, excuse me, I don't want to make because of what we did here today. But it was necessary to do it to provide stability for the people of Pennsylvania and for our budget. I think it was the responsible thing to do was to pass this stopgap budget now in May, while we know we still have some revenue, um, and we could pull some things off the table and put some things back on the table when we come back into the fall. Representative Ortiz, thank you for this informative report to your constituents. Join us for another episode of Beyond the Budget with State Representative Jason Ortiz.